Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Oh yeah, we're in. We are here on the first day of free agency. It is open as we speak and there's some big moves going down. Looking forward to speaking about the Saints and them pursuing Brad Crouch. Isaac Smith has made a call on his future. He's going to join Geelong, would you believe? So it's almost like a player going from the Crows to Port, someone going from Hawthorne to the Cats. Cats fans, you're only going to get stronger. Jeremy Cameron and also Sean Higgins coming in. So that's a little bit frightening for the competition. I want to take a look at the Premiership clock. Where does your team sit in terms of the race for the Premiership and how close... I think you are to winning it. We've got a big show coming up. Josh Fraser is going to join us. There's been massive changes in the lower leagues with a 22-team competition coming in. So he's the coach of the Northern Blues. We'll we'll speak to him. Um, we're going to go speak to David Esser from Philadelphia. Heaps happening in American sport. Um, the World Series has been won and won by the LA Dodgers. We'll get the latest there. And big moves have been made in the NBA as well. Sammy Edmond. He's all over the trade situation. He'll take us through the moves that perhaps will be made today and all the latest trade action. He's been in good news-breaking form. Jason McCartney, um, the footy manager at the Giants, also with a fair bit on his plate, will have a chat to us a little bit later on. But most importantly, it is your calls. The show doesn't function without you. one 736 736 Or you can send us a temper text on 0433981116. Let's get the show underway with this. So as I said, free agency is open today and the trade period will follow and then there will be the draft. 17 clubs start the official process of hunting down Richmond and seeing how they can put the puzzle pieces in place to improve their position where they finished on the ladder this year. AFL premierships aren't won at training. They're not won on game day. They're won now. Free agency, trade week, draft night are where the foundations for any premiership team is laid. And, of course, coaching, fitness, club culture, and a little bit of luck plays a part, and players win premierships, and now's the opportunity to capitalise on that. Every club has vital questions that they must answer this off-season, and today on the Captain's Run, we're going to ask you, if you had one question for your club right now, what would it be? one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. What's the one question, if you could ask the bosses of your club, a coach, a player, what's the one question you would ask them? So let's start with the Crows, and my question to Adelaide is, how are they going to improve on three wins? The departures of Crouch, Hardigan, the uncertain future over David McKay, the playing list right now is weaker than what it was this year, and of course the draft picks are going to help in time, but how is the club going to improve on three wins next year with what they're delivering in the trade period so far? Brisbane. Will getting Joe cost them Hugh and Cam? At some point, the Lions are going to run out of money. Joe Danaher is coming in on 700. 
Neil earns 800. Zorko, Andrews and Hipwood are all on big money. Now Joe Danaher comes in. So many clubs are going to be circling and eyeing out-of-contract midfielders Cam Rayner and Hugh McCluggage. Carlton, one question for the Blues this trade period is how are you going to support Cripps? It's the biggest area, their midfield, that needs to be bolstered. And nothing I'm reading gives me a lot of confidence that Carlton are down the path of addressing perhaps a little bit of a hole left in their midfield. Collingwood, are you embarrassed by the way you're treating Adam Trelaw? The Magpies, well, they steadfastly stood by vice-captain still side-bottom when he wrote himself off and embarrassed the club by breaking COVID protocols. Yet they want to move on Trelaw because his partner's going to be living interstate for a short period of time. They don't speak, they haven't said a word, and this situation with Adam Trelaw, their star player, who's got five years to left to run on a contract, is getting messier by the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Jump on the phone if you've got one question for your club. What is it? Let's move on to the Bombers. Who kicks the goals? So Danaher and Fantasia, proven goal kick is gone. Not at the club next year. Who on the Bombers list is capable of kicking 40-plus goals next year? Stringer, is he going to be fit enough? Tipper, can he kick 40 goals? Not sure about that. So who kicks the goals for the Bombers next year would be the one question that I've got for them. We'll hold the others over because there's a lot of people on the line wanting to have their say, and I don't want to keep you waiting. Johnny's in Taylor's Lake. Johnny, welcome to the captain's run. I got you there, John. Yep, you're on, John. What's the one question you want to pose to Richmond? Well, the question I want to pose to my club, Richmond, is why the hell would we contemplate getting Jesse Hogan? I've heard whispers that uh, we're one of the clubs that might be interested. I don't think his work ethic is anywhere near AFL standards, and I think he would be disruptive to our club. I've you know, you can say that we've got a strong culture, and we have, and that's why we're all pulling in the one direction, but it only takes one bad apple to, to upset a few in the apple cart, and I just want to know why the hell we would even contemplate getting Jesse Hogan when we've got Chol in the wings waiting. Um, I think the only reason he didn't perform against Adelaide in that game where he got dropped the week after, I think he lost a bit of confidence because up until then he was playing well during the year and really yeah, I well. And a, I think it's a reason. I think it's a reasonable question to pose, Johnny. And they, this is what this morning's all about: is posing that one question to your club that you want answered. I, I can answer it for you. Um, it's because Jack Revolt's nearly nearly up. I mean, his time would be nearly up. So you get a 25 year old key forward capable of kicking 60 into a side, as you say, that has a strong culture, and you make it work. Massive upside. Massive upside, John, um, is is what I would say. But equally, I think there'd be some some really tough questions you need to ask Jesse. And you know, you hear a lot of things during trade period. How how closely have Richmond actually been linked to them, and how far down are they the path of Jesse Hogan, or is it just murmurings at the moment, which you hear a lot at this time? Johnny kicked us off. It was a good question for the Tigers. Rodney's on the line. You got a question for the Bombers, Rodney? Welcome. Yeah, g'day, mate. Um, I'm a massive Western Bulldogs supporter. I-, I would just draw a line in the sand and say to Dunkley that you've got two years of three years left. We're building nicely. We get the number one pick with Jamara this year as a forward line player. We've got a young developing side. Bebo 
doesn't play him in the ruck again, and you say you fulfil your two years and you get over it, like Papley have done with Sydney Swans. To try and even consider getting rid of him, it will cost you more memberships. And what does it say to Bontempelli? He's best mate, he's out of contract next year, Norton, etc. You just can't do it. Not to trade Josh Dunkley under any circumstance, says Rodney. And why would you do it would be the question that he poses to the Western Bulldogs. Two years, as you say, left on that contract. Tim English needs help. I think, you know, that's the first point. Help Tim English and you're not forced to play Bruce and Dunkley in the ruck, which Luke Beveridge was forced to this year. And I think that'll certainly help with Josh's footy, no doubt about that. Good question, Rodney. Let's go to Daniel in Hamden. has got a question for the Lions. G'day, Dan. Are you there, Daniel? No, let's uh, sack Daniel. He's just fallen asleep there while he's waiting. We'll get him back shortly. Paul's in Dandenong. Uh, you got a question for Geelong, Paul? I do, Kane. My question is, um, why on earth would we be chasing or having Isaac Smith and Sean Higgins come into the club when we've got Charlie Constable, Jordan Clark, Nakaya Cockatoo um, and a few other players, Quentin Narkel and, and maybe a couple more, now, granted, they're injured, or some of them are injured, but um, they will walk if we get these old guys in. We will be Hawthorne, or Hawthorne this, this season. We'll be them in two years' time if we keep going down this path. It's not right. Uh, if, if you win it, the question back to you, Paul, if, if you won a flag and then it, it happened, what has happened to Hawthorne, where you know that you struggle from getting early draft picks and the lack of talent coming through, would you take it, though? Well, I, I don't think getting Higgins and Smith into the club um, is going to make a difference, really. It's Geelong's deficiencies are what they are, and they're exposed big time in the grand final. Um, we did our absolute best for a quarter, and it was still nowhere near good enough, and then Richmond put their foot on our throat and it was game over. So um, are we near enough to win a premiership the way Richmond's going right now? No, we're not. Um, we might be the second-best team, but we're nowhere near getting to, to be the best. Righto, Paul. No no go for Higgins and Smith at the Cats for Paul. And, and that will be the question for them is that there'll be a lot of, well, there'll be a couple of disgruntled players, young players at Geelong thinking, well, we're going again. How are we going to get a game? So that may force them to look elsewhere. I think it's a reasonable point. Paul, uh, Steve's on the line. You want to speak about Josh Dunkley, Steve? Yeah, mate. Uh, so not a Western Bulldogs fan, but the one question of, like, if I was one, I'd be saying how we're going to get a key forward to make us a contender. And I figured it out. You tell Essendon, you tell Essendon, we want two first rounders for Dunkley, but you've got to take Josh Bruce too. Then that means you free up over a million bucks in salary. You go dangle that in front of uh, Charlie Curnow and Harry Mackay. Whoever bites first, here you go, two first rounders for Carlton. Done. And if you want to be extra cheeky, tell Essendon to throw in Cal Hooker too. That'll fix your back line. <laughs> there you go. Steve's got it all sorted. There you go. Have we'll, we'll take that, but you've got to give this. Don't mind it, Steve. Bit of wheeling and dealing for you. Thanks for your call. Let's go to Geelong. Uh, back on the cat stand that you've got them on your radar. Yeah, yeah, well, just the gentleman who was talking about uh, the problem with Geelong, I think, first of all, the grand final wasn't, I, I feel it was the coach, uh, when the momentum was shifting, we didn't put danger on ball and try to start getting back our way, but my, that, that is my point, is that we, as far as um, uh, recruiting grows, goes, um, Stephen Wells is, if not one of the best in the business, so I don't question any of these Isaac Smiths or whoever's coming to the club, and people, uh, Geelong fans, 
always this Chris Scott thing. Um, uh, yes, we, he has the best winning percentage, but he also has one of the best club cultures. He has one of the best recruiters. All of his assistant coaches are all triple premiership, four, five-time All-Australians. Uh, he has the best support group around him, and he can't get it done. So, yeah, I think the... the the question is on Chris Scott. I don't think it's on our recruiting and, and whatnot. Harsh, I would have thought. Dan, I thought they were pretty exceptional this year. A couple of blips. One was against Port Adelaide and second half in the grand final wasn't great. I could see what he was doing with Dangerfield. I could see that it worked in the first half. Seven marks inside 50 to one, stretching the Richmond defence. But when things turned, yeah, he probably didn't act quick enough and put Jeremy Cameron in that forward line next year. You won't be forced to play Dangerfield forward. So that may solve that problem. Adam is in Thornbury. Adam Trelaw. Adam, how have you seen his treatment from the Magpies? Hey, Gondi. Hey, um, yeah, I've sent an email to Collingwood. I'm just disgusted and embarrassed about how Collingwood are treating a favourite son at Collingwood. Um, I just can't believe that we always hear from Buckley and Maguire how we love each other at the club, we look after each other, we're side by side, and I just feel like they're hanging him out to dry for the last two weeks, and I, I'm just disgusted. Did you get a reply to your email? No, got no reply. I don't really um, expect a reply, to be honest, but I just feel like they treat Dugowie like a king, he shops around all the time, wanting more money. Um, Trelaw came down from, from, from GWS, chose Collingwood over Richmond, and I just feel like they're, they're treating him like rubbish. So I'm just disgusted. Yeah, it's been perplexing, I must, must say. And the lack of voice coming out of Collingwood has been equally disappointing, I think, um, because, you know, I think as much as we all admire Barks and we, we heap praise on him, when it's due, and he's certainly been given a lot of praise, he's the first one to call out a journalist if they make a mistake on Twitter or if he thinks the reporting isn't accurate. Haven't, haven't heard anything from anyone at Collingwood over the situation with Adam Trelaw, which is, which is a bit hypocritical, to be fair. Uh, Albie's in Williamstown. Uh, g'day, Albie. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I completely agree with the previous caller, Adam. I, too, sent uh, Collingwood uh, an email. No response. I think it's disgusting, and I think Collingwood have just shut the premiership window on themselves. You'll find people will only go there for the money, like uh, Dugowie's trying to do, and uh, no one else will genuinely want to go there. I was very, very impressed with the Tigers, where um, Dusty was offered uh, somewhere around about $11 million to go to a different club, and he said, no, I'll stay where I am. What's your opinion? Well, I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm equally, um, the treatment of him, as I said earlier in the week on Trade Radio, has been disgraceful of, of Adam Trelaw and he's hurting from it. There's, there's no doubt about it. And I think good people like yourself, Albie, who have supported this great club for a long period of time, deserve better. And that means information. And what supporters want is transparency and information out of the footy club. They haven't spoken for a week. On Adam Troy. In fact, they haven't spoken at all on him, despite this speculation swirling around. And he, he has been hung out to dry, and it seems as though he's dealing with it all on his own at the moment. So I, I just think the Collingwood members and Adam himself deserve better, would, would be my take on it. Now, if, if it's inaccurate, they would have come out and spoken because they've done it before. And Nathan Buckley, as I said, has done it and he's quick to correct anything that's inaccurate on his own platforms. And they haven't done it, which which I think is, is disappointing. Uh, we'll get to Chris, Tom and Tom, Rob and Robbie on the other side of this. But the question 
that you have for your club right now? What is it? Adelaide, how do they improve on three wins? Brisbane, can they afford Joe and will it cost them some of their young players? How are Carlton going to support Cripps? Collingwood, are you embarrassed by the way you're treating Adam Trelaw? Essendon, who kicks your goals? We'll get to the others on the other side of this. Uh, it is 23 minutes past nine o'clock, taking your calls on the one question that you would ask your club at this time of the year. Fremantle, can you rely on Tabena and Lobb? So Fremantle, Hogan is out. They've been trying to get a key forward for 10 years. They finally got Jesse Hogan. He's the wrong guy. Now they're shipping him out. Not sure Tabena and Lobb are the two key forwards and carry them to the finals. Geelong, how does the Jeremy Cameron deal get done? GWS have confirmed they're going to match it. We'll hear from Jason McCartney a little bit later on. Um, Geelong doesn't want to give up their picks, but they're going to have to, so this one's going to take a fair while. Gold Coast, can you keep the kids? It's been great that the youngsters, Rao and Anderson and Lacocious and King, um, have all committed longer term than they're initially signed up for, but we know the clubs are going to be coming for them, so I'd love to ask them how they plan and what's their strategy for keeping their kids, particularly if they don't push into the finals very, very soon. We'll get to the rest later on. Chris is in Perth. He's been patient on the line. You've got North Melbourne on your radar, Chris. Welcome to you. Yeah, how are you going, Kane? It's um, a couple of quick ones. The, oh, as a Hawk supporter, um, what's the situation with Isaac Smith now as he goes to Geelong in terms of compensation? But um, the, the other one was looking at... Uh, assistant coaches at the Hawks, desperate to get somebody that knows how to deal with kids. And I know they've just got Craig McRae coming across. But from North situation, Peter Sumich over here in Perth is a fantastic resume. In the last three or four years, he's done a, an amazing job with the uh, under-18s in WA in terms of winning titles and um, players such as Sydney Stack. Uh, the way he's got him into the AFL system just wondering whether North would look at someone like that and um, and potentially in three or four years bring in someone like a Ross Lyon who is is really good at dealing with um, teams that have got that established list. Yeah, they would think about it, I think, Chris. I think that everyone will be spoken to that has the potential to coach that club. Now, the, the panel has been set, there's been... Wide-ranging criticism over the selection panel, which includes uh, Paul Ruse and Ben Amafio and Ben Buckley and Brady Rawlings on that panel. Damien Barrett absolutely savaged North Melbourne's coaching um, committee, which we'll speak about a little bit later on. In terms of the conversation for Isaac Smith, um, they take into consideration your age, the length of the offer, the, the remuneration, I should say. Um, so you wouldn't expect too much more than a third-round pick, I wouldn't imagine, for Isaac Smith. Tom's in Seaford. you got a question for Collingwood, Tom. What is it? Do Kane. Look, I think Collingwood uh, is going to have to do some pretty fast footwork about repairing the PR battle here. Um, they're losing it. They're losing it with members and possibly uh, fans too. Uh, they've got to put a knowledge branch out and find a way forward in terms of Adam Trelaw pretty quickly. Um, the other thing is, of course... I think the club, one key question is if Adam was to go, how can they possibly improve? How, where will the improvement come from? The other one as well, and I've got Tom Phillips on just my notes as well. I want to, I want to speak about him. I, I can't see why 
they would be wanting to trade him um, and, and what the fall off in his form has been. His, his manager is Alex McDonald. He spoke yesterday about Phillips and his situation at the Pies. They don't see him as a wingman anymore. They want to turn him into that half forward, which doesn't suit him. And his 2018 year was extraordinary, uh, Phillips. You know, averaged you know, nearly 16 kicks a game and was a goal kicker. So I don't think he'll be at the Pies next year either, which is concerning for them as well. Isaac Smith on the radar for you, Rob. Welcome. Uh, yeah, I'm a Hawthorne supporter. Uh, I just disgusted to hear Smith go to, the, to Geelong. Um, in, in fact, I probably would have rather that he'd got at Richmond. Um, just because of the rivalry? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I mean, from reports, he's going for less money, is that right? Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen what he's going to be paid yet. Um, I would assume it's more of a the term of the contract at his age. Um, I think Hawthorne had a two-year offer for him. Um, I would assume it's a three-year offer from the Cats. He had one on the table from Melbourne as well. So I would think it is longevity in the game that was the appealing situation for Isaac Smith to move. Um, yeah, we'll get to Hawthorne's question very, very shortly. We'll quickly sneak in Robbie before the news update with Meredith Gibbs. The Carlton Footy Club, what's the question you'd like to ask them, Robbie? Oh, good, okay. Yeah, look, the question I'd have is, is that um, we, and in your intro, you said um, that we need at least another midfielder. We've got midfielders aplenty. We just, we just haven't been playing them all our early draft picks over the last few years. Yeah, I'm not sure you need, you've got, you've got the, the quality that needs to support Cripps is that in that contested situation where he's just been relied on to do far too much heavy lifting, Patrick Cripps. So we'll wait and see. Williams, you know, they, they, they're keen to turn him into a midfielder. I'm not convinced about that. This is the captain's run for Apollo League, apolloleague.com.au, where you can elevate your career. We'll get to Tony Trouders on the line, Steve and Bailey. What is the one question you want to ask your club at this time of the year. Our number's 1-300-736-736. But it is time now for the latest news with the guru, Meredith Gibbs. Well done to you, Meredith. We are asking each club one question, and you can have your say. What's the one question you'd like to ask them? 1-300-736-736. For the Giants, does the pressure on Leon influence the list decisions? Now, every coach has a six-month payout clause in their contract, and... GWS coach Leon Cameron needs early wins next year. He's going to lose five players, including one of his best in Jeremy Cameron. Do they look to top up this year and keep their performance up by the players such as Jesse Hogan that they've been linked to? We'll hear from Jason McCartney a little bit later on. Hawthorne, I'd just like to know where they're at. So someone from Hawthorne needs to inform the supporters of where they think they are at. The, the addition of Kyle Hardigan at 28 years of age, fringe player at Adelaide, makes no sense to me. They need youth, they need draft picks, and they need it now, yet they continue to top up, lose Isaac Smith. What's the plan at Hawthorne, and where are they at would be the question that I would ask the Hawks. Tony, you got the Bulldogs on your radar, mate. What's the one question you'd ask the dogs? Hey, Bert, how are you going? Good. Just uh, with, the, with the dogs there, with Dunkley... We've got 16 midfielders that play in our 22, week in, week out. So to lose Dunkley, as much as I think he's a great player, it's not the end of the world, and it might be a blessing for the Dogs. He's got a two-year contract. Let's just trade him and get something. we get overs for him. We've got a two-year contract with him still, so we can keep him if we must and, and mend bridges and fences. So we go, we go to Essendon and ask for a key position player, 
If Hooker wants to leave and they throw us a pick, fantastic. But further to that, I want to ask you, Condi, because you're a smart man. Football, you need to play your, your players in positions that help your club win. What's your stance on Norton? I understand that the Bulldogs have thrown him forward and were enamoured with him because he kicked six goals and took eight contested marks against Richmond two years ago. That's great. But his first year at the club, when he was a rookie, he was on track to be All-Australian in his first year at centre-half back. Our club needs centre-half uh, centre back more than anything, I think. We've got the number one player in the country, so-called, coming in the forward line. Fantastic. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't want to step on Matthew Lloyd's toes here, Tony, but he, he's been as strong as anyone that I've heard that, that Norton is a backman. Norton is a key back and as good as any key back young players in the game, um, yet they have been forced to play him forward. And uh, as you said, it worked against the Crows this year where he looked unbelievable and kicked six goals, but that that was about it. So um, it's hard to argue with that, particularly you get... Hugo Hagen, I think that's how you pronounce his name, into that forward line as the first pick in the draft. Um, it's probably logical to play him back would be would be the option. We'll wait and see what the Dogs will do. But uh, that's the question you've got for the Bulldogs. Why are they playing Aaron Norton in the forward line? Trout is on the line. Uh, Jesse Hogan to Richmond. Trout, your thoughts? Yeah, hello, Tiger Army. How great's Richmond, Kane? Um, look, just with the Jesse Hogan one, in the last decade, Richmond is the club that it's put out the olive branch and be able to hold players and get the best out of them. So I can't see him going there because I reckon he'll go to GWS. But the guy that rang up before and said that Hogan, you know, was a bad fit, mm. I, you're not thinking about what the club's done to um, other players in the past. My question to the Richmond Football Club is, is that they go to the AFL and tell the, the AFL they want 20-minute quarters. The 16-minute quarters, the, the fans don't want it. The 18-minute quarters, the older players want it because they can stay in the games. We, we're a very fast side. 20-minute quarters would even be better for the Richmond Football Club. It's terrible. Anything less than 20 is terrible. Um, um, it, 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 disaster. Any, the, the, the thought that they would shorten the game is a disaster. I can't even... Why would they... Why would they think about that? We get, we all get it this year, don't we, Trent? We get 16. We, we all know that. Footy frenzy, all, all of it. Go back to 20. Our game has always been um, catered to endurance athletes. And, of course, the, the powerful athletes will always have their say, but it's a war of attrition. You've you got to hang in there. And it's it's too easy just to go back to 16 or 18, and it is a lesser product because of it. I mean, imagine the final series or that grand final or the prelim final in Adelaide if you had an extra four minutes per quarter. And there were some games this year that needed that. So to think that they would lessen the length of the game is ridiculous. Uh, unless unless they're going to do what they did this year and play a lot of games in a short period of time. If not, it has to go back to 20. I completely agree with you. So you've got a question for the AFL, and I like it. Uh, Bailey's on the line. Uh, Collingwood and Adam Trelaw. Bailey, your thoughts on that? Yeah, Kano, look, I just wanted to say... When I first heard about this about a week ago, I was a bit pissed off as a Collingwood supporter. But then just thinking over the last couple of years he's been with us, he's been injured every year. We're going to pay him 900k. He's a good player, but does he dispose of the ball properly every time he gets it? Not really. He just loves a long bomb, a cheap handball. Like, I love him, but... We do need to probably ship him off. We need a key forward. 
We don't need another midfielder. We've got plenty of midfielders. We need key forwards, but we're not going after Ben Brown. Why aren't we going after Jesse Hogan? Why isn't that in the talking about point at Collingwood at the moment? Yeah, I understand your point about Adam Chalor, but then you've you got to ask the management from the club. Uh, the ink's just drying on the five-year contract extension they gave him. It's not as if you know they haven't known the sort of player Adam Chalor is, and to use his family... As an excuse to trade him, I think that's been the disgraceful part of it and the lack of information coming out and hiding behind that. So if you, if you want to trade him and he doesn't fit into your list or you're really under the pump with the salary cap or you're worried about his body, then say it. Don't hide behind the fact that his partner's moving into state for 10 months is the reason why you're trading him. So that's what I think has been disgraceful. Uh, just some breaking news. The AFL has received paperwork for unrestricted free agent Rory Atkins to sign with the Gold Coast Suns. The AFL is currently processing the details. The first deal has dropped. Free agency period is open. The Gold Coast Suns have lodged the paperwork for Adelaide's unrestricted free agent, Rory Atkins. So he will be playing at the Gold Coast next year. As more news comes to hand, we'll bring that to you uh, right throughout the morning on the captain's run. Let's get to Matt in Coburg. You got a question for the Cats, Matt? Uh, hey, Katie, I have to tell you, mate, I know it's 2020 because I'm starting to agree with you. So something's going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> make it, we're, we're mates now, Matt. Oh, we're getting close, but I guess close. <laughs> now, look, I'm a tiger and, you know, I, I've never hidden from the fact that I hate Geelong. But I'm going to give a little bit of advice for Geelong. And it comes from Mickey Malthouse. He always said, there's no point having a player in your team that's good at home and away games. But is absolutely a liability during finals. Now, after the last four years, and Champion Data has this and has put it out there, Dangerfield is a liability in finals. Uh, my question to, to Geelong, is he worth keeping on the list when you can get something for him? Wow. You got, you got, you got Patrick Dangerfield on the trade block. That's a, that's a massive call, Matt. He's got danger. I don't think he's, is his record that bad? I haven't had a look at it. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Matt is disappointed against Port Adelaide in, in the qualifying final and in the grand final wasn't his greatest night. A lot of that wasn't his fault though. Like he's, I thought his first half was reasonable. He stuck it full forward for the third quarter when the ball wasn't coming down. So, I think you've been a touch harsh. So as much as we've agreed this year, Matty, I can't go with you on that one. I wouldn't have Patrick Dangerfield on the trade block. But this is what the forum's for, to have your opinion and to state your case, which you have done pretty well. Cats fans, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Is his record that bad in finals? Gary Rowan is the one I thought you were going to say because his record in finals continues to be poor. Adam is in Geelong. Um, you got a question for the dogs, Adam? It's just about Dunkley. Um, he's the sort of player you want to keep on your list just with his leadership and the way he works. And he, I think you proved last year that he's, he's a decent midfielder. Probably my question would be, why can't Bebo just shuffle the magnets around to give him more midfield time to make him happy? Mm. I think a caller touched on it before. They do have you know, 12 midfielders in that in that list and one of them has to get squeezed out. So does he need to fine-tune the, the seven or eight midfielders that, he wants to play in there. I looked at, I was at the grand final. I looked when the game was on the line for Richmond, it was the same guys in there. So it was Cochin, it was Edwards, it was Martin. Like almost to start every center bounce when the game was on the line, 
they were the three that he went to. Now, for Luke Beveridge, who, who's the three that he goes to every time when he needs to in a big moment? I look at Geelong's the same. You know, it's Selwood, it's Guthrie, it's Dangerfield, it's Duncan. There's four or five that are in there the whole time. I just think at times um, it's a good problem to have, but perhaps he needs to fine-tune exactly his preferred midfield mix at the Western Bulldogs. Stick around, Mick, Steve, Ken, Sam and George. The one question you've got for your club, we'll get that. We'll get you to pose that um, after this. Yeah, the free agency period is open now and the first deal to be done will be Adelaide's Rory Atkins joining Gold Coast on a long-term deal as an unrestricted free agent. That paperwork has been lodged and this morning it's been confirmed that Isaac Smith will join the Geelong Footy Club also as an unrestricted free agent. So he's um, going to bitter arch rival um, Geelong down the road as well. So that, that is big news. You can have your say on any of that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And as more news comes to hand, we'll bring it to you live right here. We are asking you the one question you've got for your club. I think I'm up to Melbourne, and I'd love to ask, what's a pass mark for next year? The playing list is going to be bolstered again. Perhaps Ben Brown coming in and winning a final must be the minimum expectation for the Demons. North Melbourne, well, it's pretty simple. Who's the next coach and who's the next captain? Is Jack Siebel the right man to be the captain? And who is the best candidate for the coach? They have some big questions that they need to answer during this time. We're taking your calls on exactly that topic. Mick is in Kings Park. Adam Trelaw, Mick, you wanted to have your say on the situation unfolding. Welcome. Morning, Kane. Love the show. Um, yeah, Collingwood's motto is side by side. Now, mate, the way you treat Adam Trelaw, they go right away from that. And with Adam Trelaw, the difference between Adam Trelaw and Jordan Degoe, as much as I love Jordan Degoe, Adam Trelaw has never waived his loyalty since he's joined Collingwood. He's done everything. But he's got, you know, he's had injuries. Which player hasn't had injuries? And the way they're treating him, because they reckon he can't handle the fact that his wife's going to be up in Queensland playing netball for 12 months. That's disgusting. And you give me a reason, Collingwood, why I should set, I should be a member there again next year. Good on you, Mick. A lot of passionate Collingwood fans coming through this morning as well, and I think it's a reasonable, a very reasonable question that you ask. Uh, Steve is in Lilydale, my old sparring partner's on the line. Welcome to you, Steve. What do you want to talk about today? Yeah, hi Kane. Um, it's the official Kane Corns fact checker here. It's nice to nice to talk to you again. You wrote an article yesterday, Kane, on a riveting article about Port Adelaide being a destination club. Thanks and for reading it, Steve. Club. Thanks for reading it. No, no, no. No, it's always nice to see what the opposition says. Um, but I, I just thought I'd give uh, these are the players that you had that, as your proof of Port Power being a destination club: Brad Ebert, Angus Monfries, Ryan Burton hasn't done anything, Paddy Ryder not there, flat track Charlie Dixon. Um, Jared Pollock not there, and Stephen Motlock plays one good game a year. They're the players that you said are proof that Port Power is a destination club. Give you some names, Kane, in the same period. Eddie Betts, uh, Bryce Gibbs. Oh, uh, hang, on, hang, hang on, did I mention those two in the article as well? Yeah, yes, you mentioned Eddie I Betts, did. but it was only... only and, a and, and, and Bryce Gibbs. Yeah, you said it was a debacle. He came fourth in our best and fairest. Uh, Josh Jenkins. Well, well you're paying uh, you're paying him six hundred thousand next year for him to be sitting on his couch, uh, Steve. So I reckon it's a, a debacle is a fair description. Yeah, you see the point, Kane. You said that um, Adelaide's not a destination club. These are players who chose to come to Adelaide. Uh, Josh Jenkins, Tom Lynch, Luke Brown, Sam Jacobs, 
all these players chose to come to uh, to play at Adelaide, the big team in town, regardless of the money and all of those things. And by the way, all those players played in the grand final. Um, whereas if I go through that list, no, no one from Port Power played in the uh, grand and final. None of the, and so, none of them are there anymore. Yeah, but they tried to come to Adelaide. You said Adelaide's not a destination. Well, it's it's not. They've missed again. Steve, they've missed again. They wanted Fantasia. They miss. They wanted Motlop. They miss. They wanted Polak. They miss. Mark Rusciuto wanted Hodge. He misses. He gives $11 to Martin. He misses. Why is it that Adelaide struggled to get players to commit to the club Is, is a fair and reasonable question to ask when, once again, another player that they wanted on their record with Fantasia has chosen Port Adelaide over the Crows. And it's it's all well and good to go to the draft and that'll improve them, no doubt. But I think they need some players and they find it brutally hard to get them. And Matt Rendell, you heard him, he said it. I quoted him in the article. Rang every player manager at the start of the year and he couldn't get anyone to come to Adelaide. So if you're going to ring me up and have a crack, you can ring up him and have a crack as well because he has been there and dealt with the situation and Adelaide find it hard to attract players for whatever reason. Thanks for your call though, mate. I always appreciate having um, a to and fro with you. Kenny's in Seaford. You got a question for Carlton, Ken? Yeah, good day, Kane. Um, just want to know why Carlton won't throw Charlie Curnow into the midfield? Well, they've got to get him right first. I think that, that would be that would be the first um, challenge with Charlie is to get his body right. But yeah, I think he has attributes to play in the midfield. Uh, I don't know what his tank is like and whether it's you know it's a five minutes a quarter type setup. But um, he has shown that he can play up the ground and through the midfield. But he's also shown he's equally devastating in the forward line. So I just hope that they get him right, and they have that good problem to have. You know, It's going to be a good problem for the Blues to have if they're thinking, where do we play him? Because that means he's fit, and he just hasn't been able to get fit. And part of it, most of it, is his own doing and his own preparation. Sam's in Geelong. You want to speak about the grand final, Sammy? G'day to you, Sammy. Nah, Sammy's gone. We'll go to George in North Ringwood. Collingwood, George, your thoughts? Good good morning, Kane. I'd like to pose the question, how on earth do the recruiting team at Collingwood are keeping the job after the blunders that they might have liked? First of all, Beams, not to mention all the injured players that we got, and no one should be getting paid more than $650,000 at Collingwood. I would try Grundy to Adelaide for two first round draft picks, and I would I would get rid of side bottom. He, he really did a job on us this year. And I'm really thinking about my membership. I really have a gut full with those recruiters. They've done nothing but drive the club to the ground for the last four years. That's what I like to ask them. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your question, George. That's the question for Collingwood Footy Club. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll take more of your calls after this. Uh, let's go to Pete, who's been patient. The question you've got for Essendon, Pete, welcome. Yeah, g'day, Kane. Look, knowing uh, Sard and Danaher are going, you know, Essendon should have pick six, seven, and eight. I would uh, get one of those early picks, knowing Geelong want to go up the picking order, and I'd, I'd, I'd probably swap seven uh, to Geelong for their first round pick, and maybe a Charlie Constable. And... Um, with Geelong's uh, pick they give us and one of the other picks, we could get Dunkley for that. 
Good on you, Pete. There's just some wheeling and dealing that you would like to see happen. Uh, Matt is on the road. We'll quickly sneak you in before the 10 o'clock news, Matt. Carlton, you want to chat about quickly? Uh, yeah, I do. But quickly, uh, why, why aren't you on five days a week, uh, Kane? I mean, I, I love Jared, but sometimes it's like, you know, him pricks in the eyeballs. Uh, I'd love to have you on five days a week. Uh, that's the first part. Secondly, why aren't we hearing anything with regards to, um, I mean, these halfback blankets are great, but why are we hearing anything about uh, another big body uh, to help out Ripper? That's, that's my question. Matt's got a question for Carlton, and it's a similar one that I had. Why, well, how are they going to support Patrick Cripps? I've got some other questions that I'd like to ask as well. We will do that after 10 o'clock. Just, uh, just stick around for those of you waiting as well. Sorry, but time sort of escaped me. We'll get to Jay, Jason and Theo. If you can just hold for the news update with Meredith Gibbs, we'll get back to you. And then Josh Fraser is going to join us as well, the head coach of the Northern Bull Ants. Good morning to you. It's four minutes past 10 o'clock and it's been a busy hour. Lots of your calls, which we appreciate on 1300 736 736. We're here for Apollo League, apolloleague.com. Elevate your career. Heaps of texts that we haven't got to as well. Keep them coming through. Apologies, I haven't been able to read all of them out. 043398. 11.16, we have been asking you to pose one question to your club that you want answered, and you can continue to do that. Very shortly, Josh Fraser is going to join us with massive news yesterday that a new 22-team second-tier competition will be launched in 2021, and he will be the coach of one of them. That is the Northern Bull Ant, so we'll find out from him Um his feelings and how he thinks that'll work. We'll do that next. But Jason is in northern New South Wales. Um, you've got a thought on Buddy Franklin. Jace, welcome to the show. I have. Thanks, Kane. As a true one-eyed swan supporter, I want to hear from uh, Tommy Harley, and I want the club to be transparent and open on it. Is the Buddy deal, does that really come back to, uh, I don't know, uh, tie our hands up for the next two years that we can't recruit anyone because there's no money with the shortening of the lists and... Uh, yeah, I think, it, you know, it'd be good to hear from the club because we've just been silent on recruiting and, um, yeah, where are we at? Where are we at for the next two years? Yeah, the question I had uh, for Sydney this morning was, does Buddy have 30 good games left in him? Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident with the Swans and where they're at and their young players. And if Buddy does have 30 good games in him, then next year could be pretty exciting for the Swans, despite them finishing, what, 16th of this year? I think next year could look... A lot better. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Theo's in Albert Park. He wants to have a crack at me. Good morning to you, Theo. Good morning, uh, Kane. How are you? Good, thanks. That's good. I'm just ringing up regarding um, Isaac Smith first of all, and also about you also criticised Hawthorne for picking up a 28 year old French player from the yep. Crows in Kyle Hardigan. Okay. Well, I'll get to the Kyle Hardigan issue first, although I'll mention Isaac Smith, I'll mention that later. Um, you said about Kyle Hardigan, okay, I agree that he's been in and out with the Crows. I'll put you, I'll ask you your opinion. Uh, we, we, Frawley, James Frawley just recently retired, he's about 32, if I'm not mistaken, 32, 33. Our, ben Stratton retired, about game about 32 years old. Don't forget James Sicily did his ACL towards the end of this season. Now, can I ask you, first of all, apart from James, uh, what's his name, Frost, who's from Melbourne, who's our, who's our experienced defender as a backup for those three that I mentioned? 
And the other thing with um, going back to Isaac Smith, Isaac Smith, you mentioned that Geelong gave him a three-year contract. If not, if I'm not mistaken, that's what you said. That's what I read. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if you hear um, Liam Pickering, who's his uh, manager or agent. I listen to Off the Bench. I don't know if you know that show. That's on Saturday morning with... Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Hutchie and Pickers, yeah? Yep. With Craig Hutchie, Craig Hutchie, before your show with, uh, what's it called? Yep, Crunch Time. time yep. Okay? Okay. Now, I'll get to... Um, and then I'll give you your advice or opinion. He's a free agent. He's served the club 10 years. Fair enough. He's got his, um, what's it called, his opinion to choose to go if he doesn't want to resign. Now, with Isaac Smith, there were three clubs... Hawthorne gave him a two-year with a third option, what's it called, clicker, or what you want to... Anyway, two plus three, whatever you want to call it. Melbourne, who was offering him a three-year, and Geelong didn't offer him a three-year. Geelong offered him a two-year, according to Liam Pickering's manager. Okay, what's, your, what's your point, Theo? Quick, get to it. Yeah, I'm saying he's, uh, uh, you said that he's going for a long, t- longer period, a three-year period. Yeah, the money's what, not the issue that... because... Well, the money's he, the same. Why is he leaving then? Why, why is he leaving Hawthorne? W- would be my question. If if he's going, if he had a two year deal at Hawthorne, he's got a two year deal at Geelong. That, that's even more concerning. If you're a Hawthorne fan, um, I know he had three years from Melbourne. What I assumed was that it would be three years from Geelong, but it's only happened this morning. I'm not up to speed with exactly the terms of his contract. Uh, and just in relation to Kyle Harding, and I understand why Hawthorne have brought him in, but he's going to be 29 by round one next year. And he's been a fringe player at Adelaide. Um, and I think, you know, they need to turn their attention to the draft. It just, it's perplexing the way that they're building this list and the way that they have done in the last couple of years. But appreciate your point. Jay is in Hampton. Uh, Collingwood's on your radar, Jay. Yeah, it is, mate. Firstly, um, thanks for taking the call. Love what you're doing, mate. Um, we need more ex-footballers like yourself on these shows. Um, thanks, Jay. Secondly, Collingwood, I just really want to know why in the last 10 years we haven't attacked a, a key forward. Um, interested to know why they haven't. I, I guess um, you got the goalie, but it seems that they're putting him in more of a hybrid role, similar to the Dangerfield role. Um, love what that is, but I just feel like we're missing a key forward. I think they've had a crack, haven't they? Tom Lynch um, and I think Eddie denied it, but there was talk, Jeremy Cameron, they had a good go out as well, um, and they're just hard to get. Like, it, it took, it honestly took Fremantle, it took them 10 years to get one. Like, they, they had a crack at everyone. Fremantle, from from Travis Cloak to anyone who came out of contract, I think it might have been Tom Hawkins and others over the last period. They're just they're just rare, and that is why Jesse Hogan will get an opportunity at a third club because um, there's probably eight or nine clubs that need one, and there's probably three or four on the market. Unfortunately, supply and demand, so it's just not as easy as getting one in, and their salary cap would be an issue, you would think, um, if you're judging by what's happening with Adam Trelaw. There was big news yesterday, though. A new, Well, the VFL's dead. So the VFL is absolutely dead. There's going to be a new look, 22-team second-tier competition, which is going to launch next year. So the AFL confirmed yesterday that the teams will play in a yet-to-be-named competition which will be based in New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria. Now, one of the coaches of those 22 teams is my next guest. Josh Fraser is going to coach the Northern Bull Ants, and he's been good enough to have a chat. Josh, welcome to the show. G'day, Kane. Thanks for having me on. How does it sit with you? Is this, is this pleasing news, I guess? Yeah, look, I think the, the industry as a whole has probably been waiting for some direction um, around the second-tier competition, and 
um, you know, to the AFL's credit and, you know, AFL Victoria, they've, they've worked through it in a pretty challenging year in many respects. But I guess to get some clarity yesterday on what the makeup of the competition looks like and, you know, for that information to now allow teams to start planning moving into 2021, it's, um, it's exciting and, um, yeah, look, it's a, it's a really important part of the talent pathway, the second-tier mm. football. So, um, yeah, it's great to have some clarity moving into 2021. What, what was the... I guess you've been staying in contact with your players who haven't been able to play right throughout, but what, what's been the response been from them and do you expect most of them to come back? Yeah, look, we've been in a unique position. Obviously, our partnership with Carlton finished up in March. Um, it was almost the first order of business when the pandemic hit. So we were... Um, I guess we were swimming in uncharted waters in many respects. We didn't actually have a football club at that point in time. Um, so there's been a lot of um, really hard-working and loyal people behind the scenes to try and keep the, the buoyance alive in the VFL competition and return that club back to Preston. Um, and part of that process has been keeping a playing group engaged and, and involved as well. So it's really only been in the last week or so we've been able to give them any type of clarity or certainty on, on what things look like. But... Um, you know, I'm really confident that the Bullants will be able to field a, a team without any worries at all and you know, not only made up of some of the existing players but certainly attracting new players as well. I can't imagine it's going to be easy um, because I'm, I'm looking at the salary cap. It's a couple of hundred thousand dollars. You know, that, that doesn't spread far if you're looking at a squad of 35, 40 players. Plus, you're going to have the competition from the other standalone teams as well, the likes of you know Coburg and Frankston and Southpaw, Werribee, Williamstown are all going to have their own teams. It's not going to be an easy process, but one you're confident you'll be able to achieve. Yeah, look, I think the playing field's levelled out, Kane, in a lot of respects. So I think that the competition's probably now moving a little bit more towards a development competition and, and as a legitimate um, component to the talent pathway. Um, mm. In the past, you've had standalone clubs be able to load up with experienced and mature players. Well, I think the, the new list regulations and list builds will, will probably put a stop to that. Um, and you'll see across the board, you know, a good sprinkling of youth through the competition and, you know, clubs are going to have to naturally be pretty savvy in how they manage their, their list builds and their salary caps. But, you know, again, I point to probably what the AFL programs are going to do and the restrictions they'll now have moving forward. Um, they're certainly not going to be in positions to resource their VFL programs like they have in the past. So, um, yeah, look, I think it's going to be more of a level playing field than what it might appear on the surface. But um, I guess all those things will play out in due course. In terms of the sort of coach you are, like you'll be super competitive as all ex footballers and as ex coaches are. But what, what's your priorities here? You mentioned development, but you know it's going to be it will be a challenge to compete against the AFL standalone clubs. You know Brisbane and Carlton, Collingwood, Essendon. There, there, there's eleven of them that are going to have their own teams. That will be a challenge as well for you to, to get those wins on the board. Oh, well, it will be. Mm. Uh, and I mean, we won't probably measure our success purely on wins and losses. Yeah. I think you know there's a there's an obligation to us to, to reinvest in the community and the talent pathway for both boys and girls out in the northern suburbs. Um, so that's going to be a real focus for us initially. But, um, you know, I've been involved um, at, in a VFL program at an AFL club um, in, the last, in the last four years. And, yes, the Northern Blues, for all intents and purposes, were Carlton VFL. Um, you know, we played Carlton's way. We developed players the way Carlton wanted them to be developed. Um, so we had some restrictions on us as well in terms of what we could and couldn't do. But I guess things start to open up when you become standalone. And again, I point back to 
you know, a club like Carlton and all those AFL standalone clubs. And it's going to be interesting to see how they resource their VFL programs with, you know, the, the footy department spend coming, coming back. Josh Fraser is going to coach the Northern Bullouts in a new, well, a new second tier competition featuring 22 teams next year. It's really exciting and it's great and welcome news. He joins us this morning. So I guess it's terrific for your development as well because, as you said, you've almost had the handbrake on a little bit where, you know, perhaps you're getting information where they want to play this player, Carlton, and you've got to play them there or the game style you want to play. So great for your development as a coach as well. Yeah, I agree, Kane, and that's exactly what it's been. Um, you know, they've, uh, and rightfully so, I mean, you know, we've resourced the Northern Blues in the past with um, Carlton coaches, and the directive's been to play Carlton's way and, and develop players in certain positions, and um, that's absolutely the way it should be in that type of environment. Um, so nothing really changes from Carlton's perspective, but I guess for the Northern Bullants now, um, things start to open up, and I guess for my own development as a coach, I can start to, you know, consolidate my coaching philosophies and start to experiment on a few different things as well. So, um, look, I think it's a great uh, grounding or schooling for young coaches to coach their own side. I've done it for six or seven years now, um, and I think it, uh, it's something where you learn a hell of a lot about yourself, not only as a coach but as a person, and hopefully it allows me to take the next step in my coaching journey in the not-too-distant future. Can I ask you how much of a challenge it was for this year with no footy and, I guess, like a lot of people in the industry, uh, being stood down from the role that you had? Yeah, look, it was challenging, Kane. There's no doubt. And, you know, you always have to keep really good perspective on these mm-hmm. things because a lot of people did it really tough this year. Um, but I guess when you're really passionate about what you do... Um, and we, you know, we played a practice match on the Friday night and on the following Tuesday, I was gone from the club. So things happened really quickly. Um, there hasn't been a lot of follow-up in between. So I'm sort of had a lot of time to ponder different things as well. But, um, you know, it's also given me an opportunity to try and upskill myself and even sinking my teeth into the process of trying to keep a footy club alive. has been great learning and, um, you know, broadening my skill set. So... There's lots of silver linings in it, albeit it's been a pretty challenging year for not only me, but a number of people in footy. Uh, well said. Uh, when do you suspect you'll get the boys on the park for their, for pre-season? Yeah, that's probably the most common question at the moment from the playing group. Um, <laughs> they're all pretty, uh, they're well, all pretty good break. as you can imagine. They've had a great break, mate. Yeah, they have. So, um, look, I think we're waiting for some more direction, but... I'd imagine pre-Christmas, if we're lucky enough, it might be in small groups. Um, and then post-Christmas, um, obviously, hoping to get the group together again. But, um, yeah, there's still a bit to play out there. But at least we know we're in the competition and we can start planning um, into next year. Well, mate, it's, it's welcome news. I'm wrapped for everyone because it means, you know, community footy is alive. It means a lot of people are employed in the industry and great people like yourself. So look forward to following the progress, mate. And, and thanks for your time this morning. And hopefully we can chat throughout next season. No, pleasure, Kane. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Josh Fraser will coach the Northern Bull Ants in a 22-team competition. 11 AFL clubs will have their own side, but I think it's fantastic. The AFL is going to um, fund the travel for each team's a $200,000 salary cap makes it really tough when you when you do the numbers and when you look at you know 22 playing plus the reserves. It's not a lot of money to go around, so. It's going to come with its challenges, but it's terrific, terrific for the industry. Josh Fraser was our guest. Breaking news out of AFL House. The AFL has received paperwork for restricted free agent Zach Williams to sign with the Blues. The AFL is currently processing the details. He's a restricted free agent, of course, different to 
Rory Atkins and Isaac Smith. So the Giants have the opportunity, once they are informed of what the contract looks like, whether they can match that deal or not if they're not satisfied with the compensation that the AFL will give them. It is uh, 19 minutes past 10 o'clock. It's the captain's run. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Up next, we're going to go to America and get the latest on what has been a massive week of American sport. On ECM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Oh, there's plenty happening. The official free agency period is open. Already a couple of moves have been made. Rory Atkins will join the Gold Coast as an unrestricted free agent. And Zach Williams, the paperwork has been lodged by Carlton to get him out of the Giants as a restricted free agent. We now wait on the Giants move and we expect more moves to be made right throughout the morning and we'll bring that to you. Sam Edmund with the latest is going to join us a little bit later on. But let's turn our attention to the US because plenty happening over there. And David Esser is editor for Section 215 in Philly and Bleacher Report contributor. He's joining us. Uh, David, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, um, Daryl Morey is uh, an interesting figure in the NBA. Um, he's joining the Sixers. Take us through who he is and why this is such a big move. Yeah, so he is definitely an interesting figure, and it is definitely a big move. So Daryl Morey essentially wrote the book on modern-day basketball analytics with his time with the Houston Rockets, where he used a lot of uh, statistics, a lot of math, a lot of kind of hidden hidden tricks to build really successful rosters in the NBA. He had a ton of success with Houston, 13 straight seasons with a winning record, nine trips to the playoffs, two trips to the Western Conference Finals. He won Executive of the Year in 2018. He knows how to build competitive rosters no matter the circumstance. So this is absolutely huge that the Philadelphia Sixers uh, – Ownership finally gave the keys to the kingdom to someone who has a plan. So new coach for the Sixers as well, Doc Rivers. Now Daryl Morey's coming in. Um, is he going to shake the joint up? Uh, ben Simmons, of course, we follow him closely. Joel Embiid have been an interesting partnership. Will those two remain together, do you think, under this new regime? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going to stay together. Uh, you know, yeah, you hear a lot of rumors about them not potentially being the best fit on the court or even off the court and, you know, trading Simmons or trading Embiid. To me, to the people I've spoken with, to what I've checked in with, they're not going anywhere, at least for this season. They brought in Maury. He knows what he's doing. They brought in Doc Rivers. He knows what he's doing. You get those two really smart basketball minds. You, compa- uh, you, know, you, you pair them up with two phenomenal basketball talents in Simmons. In, uh, in Joel Embiid, and you try to figure it out around those two. Don't split them up. Don't separate them. Build to their strengths. Put them in positions to succeed, to be successful. Let them figure it out together. They're both still so young. There's no reason to give up on either of them. They've been so good throughout the early portions of their career. So, yeah, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they're going to stick together. And I think they're going to have a lot of success together over mm. the next couple of years. Well, that'll be big news. Where does it leave the Rockets? How disappointing in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets are in an interesting spot. They're kind of a, you know, it's, it's kind of a rebuild to them. Losing more is huge. Uh, that kind of puts them in a spot where they, they, have to, they have to find someone else to, you know, more has been there for over a decade now. So it's going to be tough for them to, you know, figure things out. They have a new coach coming in. They're going to have to find new executives, new front office people. And, you know, I, I'm not going to complain. You know, the Sixers getting more, like you mentioned, it, it's a big deal. It's huge. 
Uh, he is genuinely one of the brightest minds in modern-day basketball when it comes to how to orchestrate a basketball team. So there's some front office moves in the NBA. What, what about on-field, uh, on-court, I should say? Any big players set to move clubs and change hands um, in this off-season? Uh, if we're talking Sixers, Al Horford's got to be the big name to watch. Uh, preferably, he won't be on the roster come the regular season. Uh, his presence on the court definitely hurt Ben Simmons. It definitely hurt Joel Embiid. So if you can find a way to get him out of there, that would be huge. Uh, the Sixers have been linked to Chris Paul. He's likely to be traded. It might not be to Philadelphia. It might be somewhere else. He's probably going to be on the move. Uh, Buddy Heald in Sacramento, he's another name. He'll likely be on the move. There could be some uh, shakeups within the Clippers organization. Obviously, they disappointed big time. But outside of that, I mean, you still have the Lakers. They're keeping their core together. The Warriors are going to come back healthy. The Brooklyn Nets are going to come back healthy. So just having some of those star players come back is probably going to be the biggest thing to watch once the regular season starts. David Esther with all the NBA news joining us from Philly this morning. So when, when will the season start? I mean, that's the big question. They did a remarkable job getting last season done, but there's still challenges, Dave. Yeah, and there's still some things to work out. I'm hearing right before Christmas at the moment, December 22nd. It's kind of that rough date. Uh, they're going to do some changes to the regular season. They're talking about a two-week break sometime in the middle of the season just to give some players some downtime. Uh, they've discussed kind of running it like baseball in a sense where you play one team over maybe the course of three to four days uh, just to limit travel, kind of do like little mini series against other teams within the league. So it'll definitely be different. There's a lot of things to still work through, a lot of uh, stuff to smooth over because, I mean, there's so many moving parts right now. You want to limit travel as much as you can, obviously, mm -hmm. with the potential of players getting sick on the road. But as far as start date, I'm hearing right before Christmas, December 22nd. That's the rough, rough date at the moment. Mm. And before we let you go, let's change sports to the NFL. How have you seen their handling of uh, COVID? It's been a bit more challenging for them than the NBA. Um, how have you personally seen the job that they've done? Yeah, they're doing okay. They're, they're not doing as well as the NBA. The NBA did an incredible job. Uh, they're doing okay. Uh, a lot of players have been getting sick. Um, they're doing their best to contract trace it in the sense that if you find out one player was sick, you know, who, who, was, who did he have breakfast with? Who did he have mm -hmm. coffee with during the break room? You know, who was he lining up to next on the field? Get them quarantined as well, just so there's not a huge outbreak. There hasn't been any outbreaks to the point where they thought about shutting down the season. They've had to shuffle around some games, reschedule, have players miss some time. Uh, they're going to they're gonna do their very best to make sure this season gets played in its entirety. I think they'll start figuring it out more as the season progresses. Uh, the biggest thing they have to worry about is just guys not taking it seriously once they start losing. There was a few players on the New York Giants, and the New York Giants are obviously a really bad football team, who just started partying because they decided they, they don't really care anymore. So you have to you got to put a stop to that now. There there's, could be some big punishments and fines coming out for that. But uh, other than that, other than a few mistakes and uh, miscues, they're, they're doing an okay job. Well, David, thanks for your time this morning and exciting times for your Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, look forward to what next season will bring. Appreciate it, mate. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. David Essa is from Philly talking about a big uh, front office move. Daryl Morey is joining the Sixers. He sort of invented small ball where the, the taller player in basketball isn't as important as what they once were. And the three-point shot is where the game has, has significantly advanced, which makes it interesting for Ben Simmons, who 
can't shoot, but he's obviously a very, very good NBA player. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. There was big news just out of uh, the motorsport world, which we wouldn't um, often touch on at great length, but... The Adelaide 500 is no more. So for, for 20 years, um, just around where I'm sitting here, the, the V8s used to race around the city and it was an unbelievable event. The atmosphere in Adelaide at that time was always, was always great. And I think it's going to be a, a massive loss for the state. And Garth Tander, of course, is one of the drivers just tweeted. He said, such a terrible shame to hear the news that the Adelaide 500 is no more. It's been a world class event for 20 years. I'd imagine the SA government will only realise what they had after it's gone. I feel for those that poured their heart and soul into it for all those years. Plenty more coming up on the captain's run. We've got lines available if you want to jump on and join in the conversation. The one question you'd like to ask your club, get to it right now. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Time now for the news update with Meredith Gibbs. On SEN. The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Record pace, 22.83. World record pace is 22.33. Michael Klim is going for it. You want a message? Here's one. Michael Klim still in front. Goosebumps. It wasn't 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago since the Sydney Olympics, and one of the stars in the pool is our next guest. Michael Klim is our guest. Klim, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Kane. <laughs> how, how does it... I don't know. You've probably watched it and heard it before, but do you still get a buzz listening to that? Oh, absolutely. I think especially... It's, it's amazing how this relay has kind of, I guess, become more famous as the time goes on, and I think it had so many, um, a great sub-story, obviously, with Gary Hall and the rivalry with the Americans and Thorpe winning his second gold on the same night and obviously opening up the, the Olympic Games with, you know, with a, uh, I guess, an unexpected gold and world record. So, yeah, I, um, yeah, it still gives me great sort of great memories and, and it's, yeah, it's one of those events that brought all the, all the swimming boys and especially the, the guys in the relay really close together. I hear Leighton Hewitt speak about uh, tennis, such an individual sport. He just relished Davis Cup because of that team environment. Yeah. I, I imagine it's similar in the pool. Like you spend so much time on your own following the black line, but to then be put in a relay situation where you have teammates who are relying on you, like did you relish mm -hmm. that? Oh look, and you know, you know what it's like when you're in a in a team environment. There's, I guess, there's a sense of responsibility that you do your part, and um, and I, you know, to this day, all my best splits or best times are come out of a relay environment mm -hmm. for me. So it's almost that the pressure that you put on yourself personally shifted because you feel like you've got the support of your teammates and everything, and you're doing it as a unit, unit rather than just. Uh, an individual performance so um yeah i think it's it's something you know something special and and australians tend to over deliver when it comes to these kind of relay and team events so um yeah it's, it's something about it that's for sure couple of silvers couple of golds for you at the 2000 olympics an amazing haul for you so did we're just yeah. watching the Kathy Freeman documentary the other month on on the ABC. Did you get to yeah. lap up the experience of the Olympics, and were you able to go to you know track and field events like like Kathy's? 
Yeah, I was very fortunate. I think swimmers are pretty lucky that swimming is always the first week of the program. So we, uh, you know, I swam pretty much every day for the swimming for the swimming program. And once it got to the end, I um, made the most of it with uh, with going to. I watched. I was lucky enough to watch Cassie's event live in, in the stadium, and then went to a bunch of the Boomers games, basketball, and other sports as well. I enjoyed the tennis. So. Um, we are beach volleyball, you know, heading down to Bondi and experiencing the beach. So yeah, we we certainly lapped it up, so to speak, and uh, you know, both at, during the day and at night time as well. You heard the um, commentator speak about the atmosphere um, in the aquatic centre. What what was the atmosphere like for for Kathy Freeman's event? Oh, it was just a it was just a surreal moment because um, I mean, I was just like everyone else in in that stadium and. With the build-up, obviously, Kathy lighting the cauldron and the anticipation, and mm. you know, I think it was almost like I think everyone felt that sense of relief for her, and then just adulation, and it, yeah, it was it was it was kind of bizarre that whole two and a half weeks of the games that had a really different sort of feeling to it about it, and uh, but yeah, the the Aussies, I guess there was a sense of pride for her. And also, you know, being an Aussie and, and witnessing such an amazing Olympic moment. Do you still get people stop you in the street and talk about where they were when you when you won gold? And ref, ref, does that happen all the time? Yeah, look, it's it's probably the only event that people do um, tell me exactly <laughs> where they were if they're at the Balkonen pub and, or you know somewhere. Most people were at the pub, which is quite interesting. Um, but um, look, yeah, it's, it's and it's it's funny how. You know, as an athlete, and you know, you never think that you're able to influence other people or bring them joy, or you know. And it's when people actually come up to you and say you've provided us with so many great memories and joy, etc. It's a really nice feeling. So I always have a bit of a, a chuckle with everyone to see where they were and how many beers in there were while they were watching it. <laughs> Olympic gold medalist Michael Klims joining us, reflecting on 20 years since he won gold at the Olympics. How do you keep yourself busy now, mate? What are you up to? Well, my, my life's actually pretty interesting at the moment. I'm sort of, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily stuck in Sydney, but I've, I came back for a back operation a couple of months or three months ago and I've been sort of just rehabbing since that and my family obviously has been locked up in Melbourne, my parents and my sister um, due to COVID and my, my kids had to stay back in, in Bali so I've been a little bit displaced and just um, you know continuing with uh, Milk & Co which is our skincare brand and pushing that through and trying to do the best we can through these tough times and so uh, um, and then trying to get our sim school up and running again, which is um, down in Richmond and Melbourne. So through COVID, we've unfortunately had to shut down and hopefully we can get it up, up running within the next few weeks. So, yeah, life has been, um, you know, pretty pretty interesting, but um, we, yeah. as everyone else, adapting. And I've, I've just actually just jumped on board with this new platform called the Mad Business Fit, which is exactly for something like what I'm actually encountering myself. It's, you know, there's been a lot of change and there's a lot of uncertainty, a bit of anxiousness. And, you know, they've put, the NAV has put together this platform for any business owners and staff to try and help them and educate them and give them some tools how, how they can get through this sort of period. So it's been a pretty interesting time. Yeah, it has been. It's an interesting program. I think they've done some research, NAB, and they're finding that there's a lot of people in small business understandably highly anxious about what's happened mm. and, and they're not 
coping well. Is there anything further you can tell us about the program and, and if yeah. anyone does need that support? No, absolutely. I think it's, you know, just there's been a couple random um, surveys done and four in ten Aussies are, are, are anxious about the future and about the, the financial expectancy of what's going to happen and the financial pressures. So um, I think also there's, you know, the cases of depression have risen. There is so there is, I think, levels of stress as well have been reportedly, obviously, for obvious, for obvious reasons, that are, uh, on the increase as well. So the tools through that business, they're, they're pretty straightforward, but they're very important. It's almost a way to recalibrate and, you know, set up some positive habits in our lives again. So from physical health to, you know, to educating ourselves through business and then mental health. So... Just simple things such as yoga, or HIIT training, nutritional advice, hydration. But then listening to some great entrepreneurs you know, or people from uh, entertainment and the sporting field. We've got Justin Nanger who's coming on board as well. So just helping, you know, helping us in, in terms of how we can improve management skills, leadership skills, etc. But then the, probably the most important one is the mental health aspect because it's, I guess that's, you know, a lot of the things have probably gone by a wayside because of just the usual structures no longer there. But um, through, you know, keeping, I guess, making sure that our mental health is, is, you know, taken care of, you know, looking at ways of reducing stress, if it's through meditation or yoga or, or other mindfulness practices, but, you know, sustainability and getting some tips on working from home and those, all those sort of things. So... It's a really simple platform and, you know, NAB has opened this up to everybody, not just NAB customers. So it's really, uh, it's one that I'm really chuffed to be part of. Good on you, Clemmy. It's a great cause, mate. We, we appreciate you jumping on and reflecting on one of the great Australian sporting moments in history. <laughs> and it was really good to relive it with you today. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, he's an Olympic gold medalist and he's owner of skincare business Milk & Co. And he has, you know, he's been impacted by COVID like a lot of people. So professionally and personally, he's championing the need for dedicated programs like NAB Business Fit to enhance the country's mental and physical health. Uh, trade news coming through from AFL Trade Radio. It's a done deal. Isaac Smith is joining the Cats. This is the interesting part on a two-year deal. Well, I read that there was a two-year deal offered from the Hawks, um, and oh, you would you would think that he'd want to finish his career there, considering um, the history that he has with that footy club and the premierships that he's won. Yeah, he's probably thinking, well, Hawks aren't going to do it. I'll chase a what's he won three. I'll chase a fourth. Is he won four or three? I'll check that in a second. I'll chase another one with the Cats. Hawks fans, it is a bit of a kick in the guts, no doubt about it. You can jump on and have your say. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or the temper text is 0433-98-1116. Isaac Smith was a Hawk. He's now a Cat. You can have your say on that next. On SEN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, well, the Hawks fans aren't happy. Isaac Smith is off. He's going to bitter rival Geelong on a two-year contract, which surprises me. There was reports that there was a three-year deal from Melbourne, and I think you know most Hawks fans could have understood that at the stage of his career for an extra year than what Hawthorne were offering to finish his career there was was understandable, not dissimilar to what Jordan Lewis did and 
Hodge and Mitchell and all these premiership players of the Hawks that are finishing their careers not at Hawthorne, Birchall, Franklin. I mean, there's so many of them. Um, this is another one. But for him to go to Geelong on the same deal, a lot of fans not happy and getting involved on the temper text. 0433981116. We've also been asking you for the one question that you would want to ask your club at this time, I think I got up to Port Adelaide before we took a lot of your calls. I just want to ask how they're going to boost the midfield and does Rosie play there? Boak, Rockcliffe and Gray are well into their 30s. Uh, Fantasia's coming in, which should mean Rosie and Butters give the power a pretty significant boost of speed and youth through the midfield. Richmond, it's pretty simple. How do you stay hungry would be the question. I mean, back-to-back premierships are so hard to win, let alone three and four years. How does the key club keep... The players and staff motivated for more. St Kilda, I'd ask why Brad Crouch. I'd ask why they're so quickly jumping into Brad Crouch when at the end of next year, players like Taranto and Oliver and Cripps, Bonzampelli, McCluggage, Merritt and Josh Kelly are all out of contract. I would have thought they are a better solution for the Saints than Brad Crouch. We've done Sydney, uh, Western Bulldogs. What happens if Josh Dunkley goes to them and wants out? Can you... Keep a player that doesn't want to be there would be the question for the dogs. For West Coast, have they missed their window? Hearn, Shuey, Kennedy, Nick Nat, McGovern, Gath, they're all 30 or over or nearing in 30. Um, they've got a lot of players that are banged up and have missed footy, a lot of footy through injury. Don't have a lot of draft capital with the way that they've, you know, had to get Tim Kelly in and what they had to get, give up to get him. So that would be the question for the West Coast Eagles. It's over to you, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Ross is on the line, and Collingwood's on your radar, Ross. Welcome to the Captain's Run. Yeah, g'day, Kane. Love, uh, love your Friday Captain's Run here in Melbourne. Um, Thanks, mate. mate. My biggest thing about Collingwood is what, what direction... I, I spoke to Jared a few weeks ago about this as well, but I think it's even more poignant now. Um, what direction is the club taking? Now, Collingwood... You know, we are we're looking at basically a club that has is totally rudderless from from the top up, and that's from the very top. Um, and, and there's some big issues. Like I look at next year um, as an even bigger concern. Now I know we're trying to get um, to offload guys like uh, Cox and Phillips mm. and Trelaw and their salaries, but I'm just having a look at um, next year as well. Right, next year, what are we going to do? We're going to finish fifth or sixth again try and put in a good effort, and that's Buckley's last year of his contract. What's going to happen after that? Not only that, we've got 14 players, not including Cox. Uh, no, sorry, yeah, including include, we've got 17 players next season that are coming out of contract. Really? Now, who, who, are the big, who are the big ones there, Ross? Um, so the big ones are Stevenson's Pendlebury, Sidebottom, um, side Stevenson, Tom Phillips, Mason Cox, Levi Greenwood, Chris Mayne, Jamie Elliott's another one. He'll be a free agent. Jeremy Howe's a free agent. Um, Josh Thomas, John Noble. So a lot of those guys are either you know in the best 22 or around the best mm. 22. So what's the strategy of the football club? Now, is the strategy of the football club to try and win a flag next year or is the strategy to try and maybe reset? I- I'm not sure. Like, the club actually hasn't said anything. What is the actual strategy? To me, it seems at the moment we're trying to dump all these salaries for some reason now. I don't know if it's because we've just totally um, mismanaged our cap to the point where we're in a lot of trouble um, with cap space or are we actually trying to sort of bring in some new players or or what's going to go on? And, I mean, there's there's a couple of... I mean, there's just... To me, it just reeks of... um, 
a little bit of incompetence, but also a little bit of sort of uh, secretive sort of behind the doors dealings. Like Collingwood aren't very open in terms of what they're doing other than saying that they're going to try and salary dump and trade dump players who are contracted, which mm. I don't have an issue with. It's just the way they've gone about it. And looking at, yeah, next year's, yeah, 17 that are coming off contract, geez, like, I think, you know, we, you know, they talk about, you know, list management down there having a massive headache this year. Well, next year is going to be just as bad. So Collingwood, yeah, fan, no. Collingwood has got to come out and give us, as fans, well, has actually my, got to give us some sort of point, direction. Ross, and, and, you know, you follow it closer than anyone. Um, and you know, it's a really good point that you make because you, you do have to think years in advance when you're managing lists and it, it does feel as though they've just been really focused on the now. Calling, well, let's give Grundy seven. Let's give Trelaw five. Let's do this. And, and then all of a sudden it catches up with you. Oh, hang on. We're, we're, we're in a bit of trouble here. Let's give Cox, you know, the extension or the trigger in his contract and get to a point where you're in, you're in trouble, which is clearly where they're at now. So, I just want information, like you do, um, at Collingwood. Uh, let's quickly sneak in Fitzy. Fitzy, can you make your point on Melbourne in 30 seconds before the hard out for the news? And uh, Jaden Stevenson to Melbourne, is it possible? To the forward uh, line, do you think? Uh, is it possible? Yeah, I wouldn't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. Um, one year to go, as we just spoke to Ross about, um, 38 goals in his first year, Jaden Stevenson, but has looked lost this year. I would think they wouldn't want to give him up. He's still a young player with a lot of talent, goal-kicking ability. I don't think they'll trade him yet, but no doubt it's a massive year for Jaden Stevenson who comes out of contract at the end of next year. Big last hour coming up on the captain's run. We are here thanks to Apollo League. You can elevate your career. one 736 736 We'll play the quiz soon, shortly, and then Sammy Edmund with the latest trade news all coming up after 11. ECN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yes, it is. Welcome in. It's four minutes past 11 o'clock. Been a big show. Lots of questions coming through on the temper text machine. The one question you would ask your club. My question for North Melbourne is to the chairman. Why are he and the board still in their jobs and leading the search for a new coach, given the turmoil in the footy department at the club, all of which has occurred under their leadership, says Blair. Why would Geelong chase Isaac Smith? He's 32, plus carrying a shoulder injury. Can't believe it. Having Jordan Clark and Constable in the wing, says uh, Gov. Kane, I want to ask the Geelong Footy Club about their game plan. It felt to me that the grand final was almost identical to the prelim final loss to Richmond the previous year. Is it too simplistic to say we got out coached? in the second halves of these games, says Brad. Well, there's plenty happening on the first day of free agency, and our man, SEN's chief sports reporter, has been breaking stories left, right and centre, it must be said. Sammy Edmund is his name. Sammy, thanks for your time. Kane, great to be with you. I'll tell you what, I've got another breaking story to, to bring to you. What about the new chief executive of your former club, Port Adelaide, Matthew Richardson? Well, I just saw Matthew Richardson tweet... The first thing I want to do is trade Connor Rosie to Richmond for pick 98. The only yeah. problem was, it's the Tigers veteran, not the CEO. Yeah, over my dead body, uh, <laughs> Richo. Yeah, no, he's doing a good job, Matthew Richardson. He's been at the club for a long time um, in various roles, and he's been the successor for Keith Thomas, who steps down. So they mm. announced that at the best and fairest last night, and I'm sure he'll do a good job. It surprised Darcy Byrne-Jones, won the best and fairest. Yeah. And, Congratulations to Cam Guthrie, who also won Geelong's Best and Fairest. Let's start with this morning's moves, and there's mm. been none bigger 
than Isaac Smith. Sammy, I can't understand why he's gone to the Cats. Well, I can, but I'm surprised he's gone to the Cats for a two-year deal, which is what Hawthorne were going to offer him as well. No, great to be with you on Free Agent Friday. I'm uh, calling it, Kay. Not fun Friday, but Free Agent Friday because we've got the ball rolling there. Look, just with Isaac Smith, the only way to look at this is that it was a three-year deal from Melbourne, two years to start Hawthorne and two years to go down the highway at Geelong. Clearly, he's chosen the lure of another premiership Mm. over the money. That's the only other way to look at it. Melbourne will feel slighted, given they had the superior offer by a fair way. But Geelong, tell you what, Geelong might be the oldest club in the last 80 years next year when you mm. consider Higgins is going to get there. Jeremy Cameron's 28 as well. And I know Gary Ablett's moving on and Harry Taylor possibly as well. But I'm not sure if you'd be overly thrilled if you're a young player at Geelong uh, moving forward. And look, they're in the window. They've got to stay in the window. We get that. And they're a destination club. And they're a fair old advantage band down there, isn't it? When you consider the the scope to recruit they have with that wide catchment area, the Geelong Falcons, of course, the lifestyle, and then the fact they're so stable and contending every year as well. That's three big aces up the sleeve. And even for someone like Isaac Smith, who has had so much success at their most fierce rival, Hawthorne, he's still chosen to go down there. Yeah, it's amazing. And people firing up on the text machine, as you can imagine in here, and a lot of unhappy Hawthorne supporters saying, of all clubs, you've chosen to go... (laughs) to Geelong, but I mean, they'll be better. Higgins and Smith and Cameron make them better. It doesn't make them younger, but I think it makes them better. And no doubt. certainly up- upgrade for some of their players that will leave. Uh, the other moves this morning, uh, no surprises that Carlton have put a bid in for the paperwork in for the Giants, Zach Williams. No, that'll be a, a first uh, round pick for GWS. It's a long-term okay. deal. It's a long-term deal and a very lucrative one. I'll be staggered if it's not. I think that'll be a first round pick for sure. And then the other one, Rory Atkins, uh, will get to the Gold Coast. That paperwork lodged first thing today as well. So that's a four-year deal with a trigger for a five. They want to play him on one wing and Brandon Ellis on the other. And just sticking with the Suns momentarily, he's not a free agent, but Oleg Markov has agreed a deal with them as well. Now, I think that deal will get done very quickly when trade period opens on uh, the fourth. So Oleg Markov, they'd waxed and waned between he and Nathan Broad, but obviously with Hanley retiring, Harbrand near the end, they want to put Markov on a back flank there. And I just wonder, just going back to the demons here, missing out on Isaac Smith-Kane for a moment, I wonder now if they pivot for someone like Tom Phillips at Collingwood, or even Jared Pollack, albeit the latter's contract makes that pretty unlikely. Well, Phillips is the one for me. Let's have a listen to his manager, Alex McDonald, speaking on Tom Phillips yesterday to the guys on the late trade on Trade Radio. Get it there, A-Rod? We'll get it up in a second. But essentially, he is on on the table, really, Tom Phillips. Oh, no, absolutely. With with Collingwood. And he's an upgrade on Smith for me. Like, I, I know Isaac Smith's been a great player, but Phillips is 24 and would be an upgrade and certainly someone that not only Melbourne should look at, but also Hawthorne to replace Smith. Let's have a listen to his manager yesterday. It's fair to say Tom's role's probably dried up with Dacos, um, steel side bottom still playing through that part of the ground. Tommy played a little bit more high half forward this year. You know, he was hoping more that uh, he'd get that traditional wing spot back. You know, we had a couple of really decent years. He's if he's not one, he's two, sort of in terms of endurance at the club. So that's probably something he's got to work through with a year to go on a contract, whether you know he's prepared to play a role that may not be you know, suited best to him. Are you saying to us now that he, he may actually explore the options this year? He's working through that, don't know. Like the club's been great uh, with Ned Guy and Bucks around. Well, we know you contracted. You, you probably play games again next year if you stay. 
But um, whether they're in that role um, where he wants to play and probably his best footy is, is on a wing, um, it doesn't look like that will be the case. So um, we just need to work through whether there's a better option for him if he wants to play that part of the ground. Well, listening to that, I can't see he stays at Collingwood. Of course, there's going to be a better role for him um, at another club with probably a longer contract, Sam. No, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. He uh, absolutely has Collingwood's blessing to look elsewhere. And, in fact, they mm. want him to sign elsewhere, Kane. Mm. Don't worry about that. It's a back-ended deal. How many of those do they have at Collingwood? It's about 550000 a year for a guy who's uh, not on their first-choice uh, wing position, which is exactly, as you heard there from his manager, where he wants to play. Dacos has basically unseated him there. They've got, um, you know, uh, Callum Brown coming through as well. There's still side bottom to come back. You know, this is a guy that finished, you mentioned his age, but he finished sixth in the year they made the grand final in the best and fairest. Seventh last year. Okay, he might not have the kicking penetration and pace that someone like Isaac Smith has, but he's got far less kilometres on the clock, hasn't he? And um, I think he'd be a very shrewd pick-up, albeit you're going to have to foot the bill uh, for the last year of his contract. Yeah, he averaged uh, 15 and a half kicks in 2018 and had a massive season. was good again last year as well. So I 100% agree with you on that one. I'm really interested, probably the most I'm interested in is Jeremy Cameron and how a deal gets done here. We know the Giants will match and we'll hear from Jason McCartney a little bit later on. I'm equally as interested in Brad Crouch because Mm. the Crows are saying if it's not pick two, we're matching. The Saints are saying, well, you can match it, but we're not trading for him. Bit of a standoff. Yeah, the restricted free agents. I reckon it goes from hardest to easiest like this. I reckon it goes Jeremy Cameron, yeah. Brad Crouch, Joe Danaher, and I would have had Zach Williams there in fourth and Aiden Corn fifth. We know Zach, the paperwork's gone through. So with Jeremy Cameron to Geelong, I mean, the Giants have to match and they will match. I, I listened to Jason McCartney with you earlier on today, came with, with Trade Radio and he and uh, Stephen Wells speaking last Friday. Not a lot of conversations around it yet, only brief. Both clubs know they've got time. But GWS have confirmed they just want to establish play in this period. Bruce is coming in. They're doing a lot of work on Jesse Hogan, we know that, and they have a very, very, very lukewarm interest in Tom McDonald. But they would get pick 10 as compensation for Jeremy Cameron as per the AFL formula. They need and want more than that. So the Cats have three first-round picks, 11, 13 and 18, but they've taken all their jewels off the trade table. Parfit, Radigalia, there's a lot Mm. of work to do here. I'm not sure how it gets done. I'm not sure if other clubs are involved. It might go the distance, this one. It might be very complex. He's unquestionably worth two first round picks on paper, given that's what Sheil and Trelaw fetched when they left GWS and key forwards don't grow on trees, we know that. But do they want picks? I mean, they mm. don't want picks, Kane. They mm. need established players. They're going to lose what, seven players in, in one off-season. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's fascinating how they work through this really challenging period. And then Josh Kelly as well has the option to mm. leave at the end of next year. That would be a disaster for them. Just finally, before we let you go, where, where do you think Jesse Hogan lands? It won't be at Frio, but it'll be somewhere. I think it'll be GWS. I think they've been at the head of the queue from the outset. And I know Richmond have also touched base and are considering it as well. As many as six to seven clubs have reached out to his management. And you can see how it's appealing. Yes, he has his issues. We know that off the field. But at 25 years of age, he'll cost you very little in a trade. Fremantle have made that clear. They've also told some clubs I've spoken to, Kane, they're even willing to contribute some of his contract mm. in the last year of his deal, which sits somewhere around 650000 that three-year deal that he's got one season to fill since crossing from Melbourne. So you can see how some clubs would be willing to take the risk. And and GWS are in such a tricky spot, aren't they? You know, they've got the star core. They're losing all these players. Do they try to recruit for the now to stay in the window? Is it a reset? What what exactly are they going to do? So it's fascinating. We... 
reading between the lines, they definitely want to fill that key forward void, though, with the now. Hence McDonald, hence Hogan, and um, maybe even my check, they might have touched base with as well. Loving your work, Sammy. Thanks a lot, Kane. Sam Edmund, SEN's chief sports reporter, with all the latest in relation to the trade period, which gets underway in full swing officially today. It's On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Well, that it is, and it's a massive week coming up of racing, so who better to get on than our man, our SEN track main man, Simon O'Donnell. Scoop, thanks for your time. Okay, nice to, nice to be chatting. Mate, how are you getting on with those um, Collingwood supporters where they were just making up the numbers? Pal, I thought that was one of the, one of the great moments in media over the last 12 months. Well, for you maybe, not for me. <laughs> was it, was it, you should have seen me. I was sitting on the couch. I've, I don't barrack at all unless Port Adelaide, and I was barracking that hard for West Coast. You've got no idea. I had to, I had to keep the kids out of the lounge. I was like, get out. Um, yeah, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. But, um, they, they, they say uh, <coughs> um, a week's a long time in any yeah. any sport and any business, but... Now, what a beautiful week you had then the end of it when they, you know, they, they couldn't pick up the footy seven days later and after the caning, they were, they were at you and then suddenly you're on top of the world. It was fantastic. Won't, won't be the last time I put my foot in my mouth, I guarantee you that. SEN track's been a revelation. I'm not a big racing guy, I'm not a big punter, but I can find myself sitting there and listening to you guys. It's, it's, you must have a lot of, and I've watched the social media clips where the vision is out and I was listening to your coverage of the Everest. It was great. You, you sound like you have a lot of fun. Is that, is that fair? That, that's, the brief is to have fun. Um, mm. you know, there, there's no script. Um, it, it's, it's three, four guys sitting around a, a table at the pub having a mm. palmer and chips and watching the races and having a bet. That, that's, that's basically the brief. And, uh, I, I think, you know, as time's gone on, it's, it's really gelled well together and, and everyone's, you know, having their bit of fun, albeit I, I think the challenging bit now is we're on, um, uh, we're, we're visual as well. And yeah. I think we call it Twitch or something. We're on Canaan. <laughs> you know, there's the odd, Odd bit of overacting from Tags. He sort of, I think he, he thinks he's a he's a modern day Danny DeVito sometimes, and that bit of overacting he's, we're trying to temper that as he? time goes on. He plays it up Sorry. for camera. Oh, that's pathetic. Oh, it's genuinely pathetic. I, I, I do think he, at some stage, he thinks he's going to you know, be starring in a movie as some midget like Danny DeVito. But uh, <laughs> we, we we have a ball. It's good fun. You know, um, uh, you know, Tags brings some great experience to the table from a riding point of view. Uh, Paddy Garshagan from Sportsman, I'm not sure what he brings, but um, he brings himself. We often talk about his girlfriend and his mother, um, and we talk in, in very gracious tone. Uh, Cam, Luke, I've never worked with anyone that's got two first names. Uh, in their, uh, in their actual name. So, do you get yeah, he's, yeah, he, um, he, he can yap, can't he? Oh, he's the best I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah he, he can go. So, um, you know, there are times there where I don't have to speak for 15 or 20 minutes. That's probably a good thing because my understanding of the English language, uh, I'm, my vocabulary is not um, uh, that widespread. So uh, it, it's a pretty good Saturday, all in all. 
Well, uh, well, I can't wait for this weekend and in the lead-up to the big one on Tuesday. Before we let you go, because I know you're busy, you need to find us a winner for, for Derby Day, which is tomorrow, and one for the Melbourne Cup to watch on Tuesday. I love people that go a little bit left of centre when they're preparing horses for big races. Now, Danny O'Brien's not a new name to racing, obviously. His last three or four years have been sensational. He has a runner in the derby tomorrow called Young Bertha, number five. Uh, You're not going to get any fantastic odds. But what he's bringing to the table that's different, this is its third start in a race. Now, that's unheard of for a horse going into a derby, let alone the favourite of it. Now, he scratched it last week out of the Vars at Mooney Valley, which is a great form race for a derby. He scratched it because the track was wet, and he said, no, I don't want my horse slogging through mud seven days out from a derby. So... This will be his third run in the race. He's a $4 favourite. I can't wait to watch how the horse goes. He's got a great amount of talent. He's very raw. And we're going to see just um, how much talent he's got tomorrow and how much he's grown up since his last start. So that's a that's a, 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 a real um, watch-me race, obviously being the biggest race on the card tomorrow at Flemington, the Derby. The Cup... It'll be won by an international. Uh, there's no great guts in saying that, mm. Kane, because you know they'll, they'll fill the majority of the field. Uh, I haven't come to terms on which one that will be at the moment. It'll, it'll. There's a number that are that are you know pretty much still in my in my sights. The, the barrier draw will have a, a bit to do that with that on on Saturday night. But there, there's a horse called Tiger Moth at the that uh, one of Aidan O'Brien's um, runners, he, he he could be the best stayer we've seen the O'Briens bring out here. So uh, at, at this stage, that's where my leanings to just purely on class. But I just like, you know, in a 24-horse field, a bit keen to see what happens on Saturday night with the barrier draw just before you, you make uh, final decisions. Good on you, mate. Well, you'll be all over it once again. Appreciate your time and look forward to tuning in over the course of the next week on SEN Track. Good, good on you, Kane. Great to chat. David Taggart, Cam Luke, Jared Waitley calling from the track. Oof, that's, uh, that's exciting. The guys will be all over a big week of racing coming up. Uh, it's time now to wel- welcome in Peter Duncan for a Greyhound Racing Victoria and... Peter is Central to Racing Central. It's going to be an exciting time for the Greyhound Racing world. Peter, welcome to you. Thanks, Kane. It's great to be on your show. Now, Greyhound Racing's first ever Metropolitan Festival of Racing will run throughout November with almost $2 million spread across five race meeting. It doesn't get any bigger. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, it's pretty big in November for us. We obviously kick off from now um, where we start on Monday night at the Meadows with our Group 1 Hume Cup, and that's a 600-metre trip, and then the Group 3 Silver Bullet on over 525 metres. And then we click back to the Meadows uh, five nights later where we have the top gun for the stayers and the sprinters, and the field this year is absolutely exceptional with some of the dogs that are contending for those races. Then we head back over to Sandown for the shootout on November the 14th, followed by the Bold Trees and, of course, the Tab Melbourne Cup, which is, uh, I think, one of the world's most prestigious greyhound races that every trainer across Australia, in fact, absolutely wants to win. So very exciting times ahead. 
So, Peter, in summary, the, the Metro Festival of Racing, it's going to incorporate 10 group races across five nights of racing with almost $2 million in prize money throughout the month of November. But the festival won't stop there. Tell us more. Yeah, it's not stopping there. So once we head out of the November Metro Festival, we then go into our Gippsland Festival of Racing, which starts down at sale on Boxing Day, and it's a great day out. And then we'll also incorporate the Warrigal Cup and Cranbourne Cup, which are run in January and February. And then we come back into the Metro Festival in mid-February, um, including the Temley and the Australian Cup. And then lastly, we're actually launching the first ever Western Festival of Racing, which will include the Horsham Cup, Ballarat Cup, Geelong Cup and Warrnambool Cup. So there's a lot happening in Greyhound Racing um, from now until probably the end of March next year. Yeah, well, that's an understatement. So a massive seven months coming up. So Greyhound Racing's Gippsland Festival has been a success for, for a number of years now and as um, the creation of the first ever Western Festival of Racing is sure to create plenty of buzz in that part of Victoria, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. Greyhound Racing is a massive part of regional Victoria. You know, 11 of our 13 tracks are um, in the regions and we know that a lot of our trainers reside in those regions and then when other trainers and we're travelling in there for our big races and even day-to-day racing, we're pumping a lot of money back into that economy, not just through um, prize money to the trainers but in the local communities because they get out and about, you know, buy local produce and engage with local businesses. So the regional Victoria is really important to us. So, you know, the first ever Western Festival of Racing is a pretty big deal. Um, and, you know, the Ballarat Cup and Geelong Cup will be moved into the autumn alongside the Horsham Cup and Warrnambool Cup. So that's four country cups in the Western region during the autumn, which is really exciting for us. You've done an amazing job um, with the festivals and making the product stronger. So going back to the Top Gun, that's on Saturday, November the 7th. The field was announced this week. It's a massive one. Some great dogs involved in this. You can tell us a little bit about that. And there's also a greyhound from Western Australia called Tommy Shelby, who is creating huge interest. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, the Top Gun is actually by invitation and then a panel sits and chooses which dogs uh, to put into the race. So it's, you know, it's a difficult job for the panel, but I think this year they've absolutely nailed it. You know, we've got Simon Told Helen, who is probably the best sprinter in Australia at the moment, uh, Shimmer Shine, Catch the Thief, Tigalong Tonk, and of course we've got Tommy Shelby coming over from the West, and that's really exciting for us. Um, his trainers, Kieran and Steve Withers over in the West, I've been chatting to them for quite some time about will Tommy come to Victoria because we always want the best dogs across the country racing in Victoria for all of our big races because it creates that excitement, the competition and also interest for people that are wagering on greyhounds. So we've got Tommy here. Um, and I think Kieran and Steve are two of the best people we've ever met, meet and, you know, their owners and Kieran and Steve are part owners in this dog. Every month they donate 10% of their prize money to a charity and that is just sensational leadership by them, I think. And so for the month of uh, November, there'll be no surprise they're going to donate it to the Movember charity, which raises awareness for men's mental health. But, yeah, Tommy Shelby, he's an absolute gun. He's won 20 races from 28 starts. 
Um, he's in Victoria with one of our fantastic trainers, Cal Greeno, who also has uh, Houdini Boy and Captain Dynamite. I'm sure you've heard of those dogs. Um, so Cal's a great bloke and he's caretaking Tommy. And I'm sure that uh, Steve and Kira will come over if Tommy makes it into the Melbourne Cup. And But let's just see how he goes in the Top Gun. But, you know, it's east meets west now, so we'll see how he goes. But it's, it's very exciting for us because he's got such a massive name across the country, this dog. And, and he's an absolute superstar. And, and his trainers and his owners, they're just fantastic people. So I wish them all the very best over here in Victoria. All starts Monday night with Greyhound Racing's Group 1 Hume Carp and Group 3 Silver Bullet at the Meadows. Peter, thanks so much for joining us and for all that information. Thanks a lot, Kane. Have a great day. On ECN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, it's 20 minutes to 11 o'clock. Jason McCartney from the Giants will join us shortly. But Jack has given us a call. He wants to speak about Travis Boak and Port Adelaide. They held their best in Ferris last night. Jack, what was your thoughts on Darcy Byrne-Jones winning it? Oh, yeah. G'day, Kane. How you going, mate? Good. Yeah, look, I'm not a Port supporter. I'm a Western Bulldogs fan. But, um, look, to be honest, the first thing I thought of, do you remember when Kanye West got up at the Grammys when Taylor Swift won the award instead of Beyonce? Do remember that, yes. Yeah, I've got a bit of a feeling about that might have a uh, bit of that energy at the uh, Port BNF last night because I think Travis Boak's being uh, completely robbed. Darcy Byrne Jones is a great young talent, but uh, my goodness, uh, his best mate Sam Powell Pepper probably felt like pulling a bit of a Kanye in front of the club. I reckon, <laughs> gee whiz, I don't know what else uh, Travi has to do to get his recognition, but my goodness, uh, Travis Boak's my favourite non Bulldogs player in the comp. I love the way he goes about it, and I think he's a great leader. So, oh, just wanted to get your thoughts, mate. Yeah, I, no, I, I woke up this morning and. And I was surprised, Jack. So Darcy Burns-Jones won it pretty, pretty comfortably too. 159 votes, Bokey second in 136. Tom Jonas was third. And Zach Butters, Ollie Wines rounding out the top five. I was also interested in Charlie Dixon. Um, he's All-Australian leading goalkeeper, finished ninth as well. So, yeah, there's been a lot of defenders that have won best and fairest this year. When, when you look across the board, we had Whitfield at the Giants, Ryan at uh, Frio, uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones is one of them. There's been a number of defenders that have won the best and fairest award this year, so perhaps that's the position you, you want to play. But I was equally surprised. Uh, he's won a couple, though, Bokey, so he'll be okay, and um, a few All-Australians as well. So uh, it's interesting how the coaches view players' performances as opposed to um, the rest of the public. Appreciate your call um, to you, Jack. Uh, I just wanted to hear this from Matthew Lloyd as North Melbourne ramp up their coaching aspirations. I asked him about his brother, Simon, and would, if he would be a good fit to coach North Melbourne. He had a real strong passion for it, Kane, uh, before he took the Geelong job. He signed a four-year deal to be head of football at Geelong, so it was something when Brennan Bolton got the job at Carlton, they'd spoken to my brother, and when Phil Walsh got the job at Adelaide, they looked at my brother Simon, so he's been looked at. I think where he'd run rings around some coaches is his experience, like Chris Fagan, the environment he could create and all those sorts of things, but very happy with what he's doing at Geelong at the moment, but I think it'd be an inspired choice for North, someone like David Noble, or my brother with that experience, rather than a young coach uh, with where North Melbourne are currently at. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. And that was you know, the inside word from um, his brother, Matthew, on Simon and his credentials to be the future coach of North Melbourne and absolutely um, has the 
resume to be able to do that and the experience that North Melbourne should be looking at. Am- amongst others, of course, the, the net should be cast pretty wide to find the next coach of North Melbourne. one 736 736 You can send us a temper text on 0433981116. Up next, the Giants are going to be key players in the trade period and it starts today. Their footy boss is Jaden McCartney. He'll join us next. Plenty of news out of the Giants for Beaumont Tiles. You can say that Beaumont's mega floor tile event, it ends soon. Jason McCartney is their general manager of football. He's been good enough to join us on the first day of free agency. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for your time. Uh, good morning, Kane. Good morning, Matthew. How are you guys? <sighs> We're good. Hey? Fair to say you're going to be busy. Uh, yeah, we will be. And that's um, something generally this time of year. We're always busy just with the way we set up and things. And obviously... The startup club, and we start obviously the free agency period today. So we have just a, a bulk number of players, I, I suppose, coming through in those first couple of years together, uh, which means when you get eight, nine, ten years in, you do encounter this. So um, yeah, we'll work our way through that over the next few days. Well, the biggest name on the market uh, this year is, is Jeremy Cameron. Clearly, can I ask you, what was his decision to leave and join the Cats a shock to you? Yeah, look, it was an interesting one because all year we were really confident as we spoke on a number of occasions that, that Jeremy would remain in the Giants, at the Giants. I think one of the one of the big things as the year progressed, uh, we didn't have the year we would have liked to have had. Jeremy didn't have the year he would have liked to have had. And the, the hub life scenario, um, in a football context, I understand that there's people, uh, many people be listening to this have done it extremely difficult this year and I'm conscious of that. But... Uh, yeah, Jeremy was one that probably struggled the most in the hub football environment. So, yeah, in the end, the decision around lifestyle and family became important, and that's where um, Geelong became the choice of Jeremy. But, uh, um, yeah, we uh, we now look at working through uh, what our options are around that, uh, getting the best return for the football club. And, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll see how that plays out over this next period. You've already confirmed that you will match the offer for Jeremy Cameron. His manager spoke yesterday to the late trade and says, regardless, Jeremy is going to leave and he, he won't be staying at the Giants. Um, how have the discussions with Geelong been so far, if at all? Uh, pr- pretty limited, to be honest, uh, Kane and Matthew. I had, had a brief chat to, to Stephen Wells down at Geelong last Friday and a bit of correspondence with uh, Matthew's brother Simon last mm-hmm. Friday. But to be, to be brutally honest, it was more about you know, wishing the football club all the best in the, in the grand final and understanding that we'd uh, potentially have some work to do in, in the coming week or so, but um, only brief at the moment. But we've, uh, we've got a fair bit of time, obviously, um, working through the next three days and then the trade period will, will start next Wednesday. So, yeah, just, just looking and working in the background and talking to some other clubs and different things about, you know, options, combinations, what you could do, because obviously, like mentioned before, we do have a few players in play this trade period. Um, and then also, you know, we have Braden Proust, who's obviously a contracted player at the Melbourne Football Club, who's given some indication that he'd like to uh, to get to our footy club. So it's a bit to work through. Um, I'm not assuming picks will be the be-all and end-all for you, particularly with you know the pressure that Leon will be under and the list that you've already got. So will you demand a player from the Cats? Oh, with anything, the picks, we know we know each year with, with um, how we've structured things and how we work through, we, we always uh, do get a nice hand of picks at the draft and the draft is important. But we, we will need to balance out 
you know, our list profile as best we can with, with some quality players coming through the draft. But we also need to, you know, having seven or eight players come through the draft as 18, 19-year-olds is not the ideal scenario. So, yeah, we will, we'll look at uh, options, whether it's through Geelong and others, to, to just try and balance that out with some mature talent that really fits, um, you know, and balances the list. Jason, can you confirm whether the club's had any interest in Jesse Hogan and have spoken to him? Yeah, look, Jesse's a player. Obviously, he's another one that it, it's contracted. Uh, but he's one of, I'll be honest, he's one of a number of players that we're just doing a lot of investigation work around now because, um, you know, with any player, all you need to do is get as much information as possible, make a, an educated decision on which way you want to go, um, on how your club structured, what are the opportunities, and, and then you go from there. But it's about gathering a lot of information. So whether it's Jesse Hogan um, or, or it's like what we've done with Braden Proust or others, it, it is you just go in, uh, your eyes wide open, and um, you know, the, the old adage, I suppose, is you don't want any surprises with any players you bring into your footy mm. club. So every club does a, number of, uh, does a lot of work on a number of players, um, it just doesn't always work out that you're able to bring um, a lot of players through the door. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, the short answer is, yeah, we're doing some work there. I don't know where it goes, but I know other clubs are doing a fair bit of work there as well. And have you done a bit of work on Tom McDonald from Melbourne as well? Uh, Tom's one that's obviously been mentioned in the media, and it's, it's one that, uh, look, at this point of time, it hasn't had a lot of air time within our discussions. Mm. Um, but once again... With so many uh, players in play, um, there will be a number of things that we need to consider and there will be things that will present that probably sitting here at day one of free, uh, free agency, you plan and prepared, but there will be many twists and turns throughout the next sort of 10 to 12 days. Adam Trelaw is a player that you know well. His future is uncertain at Collingwood. Uh, have you ruled out trading for your former player, Adam Trelaw? Very good player, Adam, and a great person and a great uh, you know, past player and, and friend of, of many at the Giants. So, look, we, we, we haven't ruled out anything. We, we just understand the landscape, though, and, and you, you do have to be realistic around some of the things. It's not as easy as a player's available and, yes, let's go and get them. Uh, in terms, we need to understand with any player, especially one that's contracted, what the contract situation is and, and how does that fit in managing your own TPP position. Um, so, look, the quality of the player and the person, uh, that would be tick-tick. You know, there's no problems about that with an Adam Trelaw. But obviously there's, there's, um, there's, there's probably a number of roadblocks around uh, salary uh, and how you'd be able to facilitate something like that. So um, I, I would say it's probably uh, that one would be more in the unlikely basket. But as I've said earlier, there'll be, there'll be plenty of twists and turns over this period, as we've seen every year. GWS General Manager of Football is Jason McCartney. He joins us on the early trade this morning. How disappointing is it to lose two players that have spent two years at your footy club, Jai Coldwell and Jackson Haitley? And the second part to that question is, should the AFL bring in a rule where you know, first-round draft picks or drafted players have to spend longer than two years at a footy club? Yeah, it's always disappointing when you invest heavily in the first couple of years. But I also understand that that's a system as it currently stands. And obviously, Jackson uh, craving some, some more opportunity and some more inside midfield opportunity, um, which he, he saw a few in front of him at our football club. And Jai, a little bit similar, although Jai got some, some good opportunities this year, 
um, he probably was, uh, like I said, in the side, but wanted uh, to, to have that opportunity more inside mid. So well, I suppose the thing for me is, and it's not just being an interstate club, and I've I've been part of this at at, um, at the Bulldogs in, in bringing uh, Tom Boyd to the football club, who was one year in. So you just work within the system. But I would say with every list manager or general manager you speak to over the next um, uh, you know couple of weeks, they would be all in the same, um, uh, I suppose, same basket in wanting a better line of sight through um, the Players Association in conjunction with the AFL. It's probably that top 25, 30 draft picks having three or four-year contracts. Now, understanding you need provision in that if they're playing really well, that the players can be paid. So you'd need some scale within that after the first two years. So I think what we're finding at the moment is it's it's not necessarily just about the fact of, of keeping those players at your football club after one or two years. It's, it's probably the explosion in their salaries. Mm. So even when you do retain, especially the top end, it's, it's the financial... Uh, output, uh, I suppose, outlay that goes with that for a third or fourth year player at the top end. Now, uh, like I said, speak to any GM list manager. I don't think they've got any problems or concerns with the um, with the uplift in salary in years three and four with with young talent that's actually playing and contributing strongly to performance. I.e., Tim Tarando at our football club here won the best and fairest in his third year in a grand final year. So you've got no qualms about that. But when you do have to outlay a fair bit more and it's probably more around you know, retention while the players are developing nicely at the right rate, that, that does put pressure on your TPP position. And there's no doubt about that. So that, this is not just a Giants or a Gold Coast or an interstate. This is, this is an industry uh, piece that... Uh, at, it's been discussed before, but it does need to be uh, need to be looked at again. And a little bit earlier, we mentioned Hogan and McDonald to help you with the goal scoring. Um, you gave a pretty honest answer. Brody Mycheck is is he someone that would would add to your forward structure? And have you discussed him? <laughs> Brody's one that uh, gets discussed a lot. I'm sure it's been a lot of clubs <laughs> because the recruiting team uh, before my time again, and even at the Bulldogs, you talk about him. What what a fantastic story. From from a lad who was obviously uh, some VFL at, at two clubs and, and a backman and, and then what he's done, he, he just works and presents. So full credit to him. Yeah, I, it's probably one that uh, I think if a head Collingwood player, unfortunately, <laughs> moving forward, they'll get that sorted out. But I think when people talk about our forward structure and Jeremy Cameron obviously goes out, We've only played three forwards, three tall forwards, because we've had the luxury of had three tall sort of hybrid mobile types available. Um, so now, uh, and obviously Jake Riccardi's come in last year and he bubbled along his development nicely and he's, um, it will still keep progressing him at the right rate. But I suppose now through, um, through the situation, it gives you an opportunity to revisit that and, and Steve Johnson comes in and will coach the forward line and, and that could have a little bit of a different look depending on personnel. So... Um, yeah, it was great to have the three, but as we know, across the competition, everyone has you know, a different setup within their forward line, and, and, and you work on what's best available for you. So, um, once again, we'll uh, we'll have uh, we'll have some options to look at around how we you know want to set up there and how we want to move the ball, and a number of things we've been analysing because I, I'm not going to shy away from the fact 2020 wasn't good enough from the Giants, and, and we've got to take all got to take responsibility for that. Jason, you're always generous with your time. We, we appreciate it here, and, and good luck in the next couple of weeks. 
No worries. Thanks for your time, guys. I'm sure we'll uh, chat a couple more times mm. over the next uh, 10 days to two weeks. So, um, yeah, good luck to you guys and, yeah, all the best. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.